Welcome to the Naked Wellness Podcast. As a qualified nutritionist, I'm here to strip away the nonsense and get down to the bare essentials of nutrition and wellness. Join us as we debunk myths, chat with top-notch experts, and serve up practical tips that will leave you feeling empowered. Get ready to uncover the naked truth about living your healthiest life. Let's undress. Welcome back to the Naked Wellness Podcast. Today I am super excited because I have Catherine Weed with me. Catherine is a registered clinical counsellor who helps others to rediscover themselves, which is awesome. She helps them to really learn to trust themselves so that they actually get to live that life to their fullest potential. She helps people to really identify those unresolved issues that are sitting underneath the surface or getting to the root of it all so that they can actually get out of their own way and achieve all of those goals that they want to in life, which is so exciting. I know that our conversation today is going to resonate with so many of you. So welcome, Catherine, to today's podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Excited to talk to you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. me too. So did you want to start off with telling us a little bit about yourself and your own journey that you have been on to get to where you are today? Sure. I mean, that could be a whole podcast in (laughs) itself. (laughs) But um, well, first of all, I, I live in Canada. Um, and yes, I, um, I now work as a therapist, uh, but I certainly, um, you know, it, I, I'm not a therapist because things were so awesome for me, you know, often Mm -hmm. folks that end up in, in this profession in some way, and even anywhere in the wellness world at some point have really struggled with something. And, um, for me, you know, I grew up with addiction in my family. Um, I really struggled with all kinds of things, you know, complex trauma, uh, you know, addiction, um, you know, anxiety. Like I had, I mean, I, I have a laundry list of, of sort of labels and things that, that I came through. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really, you know, becoming a therapist, I think at, at the beginning anyway, was very much, um, you know, sort of part of my own journey, my, my own sort of desire to, um, you know, explore and, and integrate parts of my own past such that I could create a, a new future. And really where I noticed a lot of my, you know, coping mechanisms and dysfunction and, and sort of at the time, all my behavior was like, it's like somebody was like, Hey, what's the worst decision you can possibly make right now? And I would make that one over and over. <laughs> And, and often it would manifest in my relationships and my, in my mm-hmm. primary partnerships, if you could even call them that in my twenties and thirties, cause things were a bit of a mess. So, um, you know, certainly, um, you know, it, this path has been one of me getting to know myself in a pretty big way. I love it. And so did you go through, I guess, the therapy and the counseling yourself and then find the passion for that? Or is it something that you started studying and then helped yourself through it to now be helping other people? Like, what was your path through that? Well, I didn't even know that therapy or counseling was a thing until yeah. I was like in my late 20s. I, I didn't know that help existed, like that that was okay to even think about asking for. Um you know, and I think I, I did in my late twenties for the first time, reach out to somebody. Um, and yeah, that was, I remember thinking like, I don't know how I'm going to be sitting in that chair. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I think I want to help people. Um, you know, I just, I don't know. I always sort of had an inkling and, um, yeah, I mean, certainly I've been in my own 
you know, counseling, therapy, coaching, mm-hmm. all the things journey since my late twenties. Um, mm-hmm. And I, for, for about 10 years, I was a massage therapist. I was a physical therapist. So, um, you know, and I taught yoga and sort of, I was more in that realm. That was sort of my background. And, uh, and so I really, um, because I'm a very sort of physical person, like I'm very active, um, you know, and it just, that felt like sort of a safer entry point, you know, and, and I learned a lot about the, the mind body connection and, and certainly, you know, the nervous system and, and how of all those things sort of, um, you know, go together. And, and, and I, I definitely bring that into my work as much as I can working like this on a screen. So. I love that. And so for you and your journey, what was that turning point where you were like, okay, something actually needs to change for me. Like I, when you said that you didn't even know for so many years that there was help and your late twenties was when you finally reached out for the help. What point was that on your journey where you're like, okay, there has to be something different for me. I'd reached a level of uh, chronic dysfunction in my relationships where I couldn't have one. I just wasn't able to be close to anybody. Um, if I was, it was very erratic mm-hmm. and it would end with, uh, you know, me hitting the, the eject button, you know, I'm out of here, you know, very, what we call in, in my world, disorganized attachment, right? Where like, I, I need you actually get away. I need you get away, right? And it's sort of this, this push pull that those of us uh, who had a lot of, of um, typically what what we would call attachment trauma early in life, where a caregiver is, um, we we need a caregiver, right? I need you for survival. I sense that, but also you're dangerous, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's our our attachment, uh, our you know attachment cry, our need for connection becomes at odds with our need to protect ourselves from the person who is supposed to be there. Right. So, so on a very sort of, sorry, I kind of just dove right in there, but, but in in a, in a really core way, that is often what happens for those of us with that sort of baseline attachment style. So it was a combination of that. um, And my mother dying from addiction when I was 25. So it was Mm -hmm. a a real sort of uh, before and after those that sort of 25 to about 28 years old range um, that, that I, I definitely was like, okay, I've, you know, there's a few different ways that this could go for me. And, um, you know, and there were some, some not so good options and, you know, I somehow was able to just squeak through and, and make, make a few right turns at the right time. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so that's that's really it was really kind of my late 20s, I would say that, um, you know, and I, I'd been, you know, working in bars where, you know, all you know, you're partying and I was living in ski towns and and, um, you know, and certainly by the end of my 20s, I I had, you know, kind of turned some things around. I still had all kinds of behaviors and all kinds of stuff happening. I took that took a long time for me to learn. I'm still learning how to be in relationship yeah. um, and I'm yeah. 41. So. Uh, which I think it's, you know, for everybody, it's an ongoing journey, but, um, but, you know, uh, you know, it certainly, it took me some time um, to, to, well, 41 years to get here. So, yeah. 
And so powerful. I always say to my clients, at the end of the day, you're always presented with two difficult choices or two hard choices, right? Like you can stay exactly where you are today, going through the motions that you're going through, doing the things that you're doing, feeling all those feelings, which is hard. Like it's actually hard to stay in that because it's exhausting Mm. mentally, physically, you feel stuck, you feel disconnected from yourself. The other choice is then to push yourself to get out of that state, to reach out for that help, take that first step get so uncomfortable in doing something that's so different which is also really hard like both choices are hard but it's like which outcome would you actually rather and then that allows you to then make the choice of which steps you actually want to take for you individually and the hardest truth of life is that no one is coming to do the hard work for you like if you want that change you actually have to proactively take it yourself which sometimes people are like oh my god like it's it's hard to hear that but like you're living your life for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the, the, the beauty and the tragedy of it, right? It's Mm -hmm. like to do the work and to heal these things that were meant to happen at an age appropriate time in, in the company of safety in the company of safe connection, and then having to, to work through these things. And, 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 and again, certainly as adults, Healing this stuff is our responsibility. Plain and simple. You know, it, it is. You know, I there's some quote, uh, you know, probably going around social media or something. It's like you're, you know, it was kind of hip maybe six months ago. And it was like, you know, your trauma is not your fault, or your 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 wounding wasn't your fault, but healing is your responsibility. Something yeah. along those lines. And, and it's true. You know, it's um you know, I, I often, you know, to circle back to what you said mm. about the difference between like how to move from being stuck in something to moving towards what it is you want. I often refer to the anxiety that lives over here as being sort of cyclical. Like it's like, you know, the rules there, you know, where this is going to get you and, and it will create more and more and more anxiety, you know, but it sort of keeps you in a loop. Yeah. Whereas the the discomfort, which and it is physical discomfort, it's something unfamiliar to our nervous system, which can often feel like a threat, like I'm not doing that. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, that that is um, that doesn't that's not cyclical in, in quite the same way, you know, but it's also really important to make small changes over time and not jump outside your comfort zone if you're you know because if we if we do too much too soon too fast that mimics what we experienced likely Mm. the the, it's actually keeping us stuck like that was too much for me and then we go okay I'm gonna make all the change right now you know I'm gonna live outside my comfort zone I'm gonna jump in and you know that's actually not working with our nervous system what we need to do is take micro steps baby steps such that we don't overwhelm all of our intricate and the complexity of our survival patterns, our learned ways of being, because those protector parts are going to be like, nah, no way. You're not doing all that. You know, and that kind of kind of bring us back to this end and go shut us down and go, see, I try, you know, I tried that really extreme radical thing and like, you know, change didn't work. So I'm not going to do anything else, but that's actually not, it's not true but to our system 
that codes it as a threat because we just did too much. We took too big of a step. Um, you know, that's, that's often what happens. So then you get into the, the, um, you know, the all or nothing. I'm going to like, you know, I don't know, do this new diet and, you know, I'm going to all in, I'm just going to eat carrots. Okay, great. You know, and, uh, you know, and then you, you sort of, you, you fall back mm-hmm. because it's not, it's, it's as opposed to, okay, what are a few different, um, things that I can do on a daily basis that might help me start to reconnect with myself such that I can, um, learn to, to nourish myself in a way that's sustainable. Baby steps, little by little, a little bit comes a lot. Yeah. 100%. And so I know that you work with a lot of clients who are high functioning clients or clients who feel or appear successful on the outside, yet they are struggling so much internally with themselves as well. I guess, firstly, how do people even pinpoint that this is what they're struggling with, that they have these feelings of stuckness or disconnection and to get to that point of this is what is causing them to feel fatigued or burnt out or whatever it is that they're experiencing, Mm. right? And then what are the steps that they can then actually take to start to work through this? Because for so many of them, they might even feel like they're living a life of not, not a fraud, but that's maybe what they feel because it's like, this is how I appear. And this is the image that I need to uphold. Yet I feel so internally different and feel like almost a bit of imposter syndrome, right? Like I feel like I'm almost not at that level of as what I'm appearing or showing up as every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, typically I'll, I'll, that's, that was sort of a few questions in one, but the first sort of part of that was, you know, um, having that, uh, you know, they, they, they would, somebody would identify feeling stuck before disconnected, usually Mm. many of us don't realize that we're not connected to ourselves because, you know, for a variety of reasons, societal reasons, um, you know, we all come from a family, right. Um, and, and, you know, there may not be a, a, sort of a realization like, oh, geez, how do I actually feel? Because we've never had the opportunity to even ask ourselves that. We may not have that that sense um, to, to I, I, I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. I mean, I, I could only identify really big, scary things in my body. I didn't have a relationship with it in, in the way that I do now. Um, you know, so you know, somebody certainly could identify feeling stuck by the constant repetition of a particular pattern. And and I work mostly with women who who notice these things coming up in their relationships, for the most part. But typically, you know, the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. Sometimes, again, you know, there's a lot of nuance there, it depends. Um, but often if we have a particular way of operating in the world, that's based on a learned survival pattern or survival strategy, I would, I typically use that terminology in my work, then that strategy, that pattern will show up, um, in our career, especially if we are very invested in our career and it's, it's sort of a, a point of passion in some way, or it's, it's important, right? It may not show up if we don't really care. And it's like, oh, this is just a job and I can kind of shut my brain off and disconnect, although that's also information, um, you know, and, and in certainly in our relationships, you know, and, and, and mostly in our primary partnerships is where, is where sort of all of, not all, but many of our 
um, sort of quote unquote triggers, our, our emotional um, triggers are, are, you know, show up there because mm-hmm. we're sort of, we're close to somebody again in our nervous system and our attachment system go, whoa, whoa, wait, oh, I can help you out. I've got all this previous information in this old internal database about relationships, right? So we have this sort of foundation, like a blueprint. And, you know, and so, and we can even make relationship decisions about who to date, who we're attracted to, what kinds of close friends we have based on that. You know, so if, you know, for example, say I'm, I'm not used to having, to, to feeling um, supported. I may be drawn then to, to somebody who, who feels familiar because my nervous system will, your, our nervous systems will always choose what is familiar over what is actually good for us. You know, we will, we, and, and there's all kinds of things that can happen there where, where, you know, certain wires can kind of get crossed and we, we go, Oh, this person's safe, but actually they're not so safe. And that other person's actually safe, but our body kind of codes a threat. Like there's, there's a lot of sort of um, nuance and, and uh, complexity there. And for a lot of people, because it's that blueprint and it's just what they're used to, would you say that it just plays out automatically for them? Like they're automatically drawn to that person without it even being this constant conscious decision that they're making? Yes. Yes. That's exactly what happens. And that's why people often they'll, they'll come in, you know, to, to work with me and they're like, I don't get it. I know that I want to have, you know, uh, a healthy securely attached relationship. I know I want to feel a certain way in partnership. I know I want to, um, you know, I, I know what it is I'm looking for. I, I know that I'm a wonderful, I don't know, lawyer or whatever. Like I know I'm in, in my career too, right? And yet there's this gap between what I know and what I feel. What's up with that, right? And that's, that's the gap really, you know, um, in kind of pop psychology terms between our conscious and our unconscious, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and our unconscious, all of our, our wiring, if we don't know what's there, often our wounds make decisions for us, you know, mm-hmm. and our, and, and wounds meaning our, the way that our, our nervous system developed, the way that our, our attachment system developed, um, you know, doing things like pushing away what's good for us and pulling, you know, um, wanting to, to be close to things that aren't as a very, you know, kind of broad example. And then, so bridging that gap, would that be unpacking everything of what somebody has learned to this point and relearning a new way viewing themselves or what, what, what would you say are the steps that you actually have to go through to start to bridge that gap for a lot of people? Well, for everyone, it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where I tend to start with people is, how these things are showing up in their present day life. You know, I, like I don't work from a perspective of like psychoanalysis where you're like, okay, you know, you're on the couch and I'm going to like take all these notes and we're going to go through every horrible thing that ever happened. Like that's not, that's not how most people work nowadays. Um, you know, and, and certainly it's, you don't have to look that far because everything kind of shows up in how somebody is relating to their life yeah. and relating to the world, relating to their their close relationships, their career, um, you know, and, uh, and so, you know, certainly having a look, exploring that and getting to know what's actually happening 
in those moments, you know, in those moments of discord, of, of disconnection um, with, with the other person, um, you know, or, or um, disconnection with self in relation to a career, um, you know, and, and yeah, really, really exploring that and, and processing that, integrating that, getting to know what it actually feels like to, to be in that place. Um, getting to know the different parts of us that sometimes take charge who are like, oh, hey, I can help, right? Let me take the wheel. And they're often connected to younger parts, younger ages, us at younger ages, and, you know, particular, um, you know, brilliant defense mechanisms and, and ways that we, we learn to make it through and, and survive, you know, so starting, I mean, if we were kind of to zoom out, it's, it's more about, uh, you know, getting to know the difference between my capable, able, conscious adult self making a decision or um, speaking or, you know, just being, getting to know what that feels like versus when that part, we know that that's not who's in charge in that particular moment, you know, and getting to know the difference between, okay, is that, is that my sort of wise adult is, is the terminology that I use for that um, versus is, is that, you know, you know, how old do I feel? What's happening for me? You know, was it automatic, you know, and, and typically when there was more attachment trauma and other things that were a little bit more um, severe, early on and and when that sort of caused us to spend more time in our fight flight free shutdown we had to rely on that a little bit more because healthy connection wasn't available those folks often uh will have more sort of automatic um uh you know very clear somatic sensations like like body sensations um you know ways of dealing with relationship oh there's conflict okay bye-bye or there's conflict Right. Let me like, you know, and, and often um, that that's something I've, that I've noticed versus um, people that have more sort of uh, um, more typical sort of attachment wounding, which is something that is pretty inescapable to some degree as the way that our, our society is set up. So um, mm. it's so interesting. Know. And so if somebody has discovered that, you know, stuckness is something that they have and it's something that they want to work through and they started to unpack it or they started to work through it now they're at this point where they actually have to get uncomfortable and they have to put themselves in those situations where they need to change the path forwards obviously that can be very hard for a lot of people because as humans we absolutely love being in our comfort zone so for those people really who yeah 100 because it's comfortable but for those who wanting to take that step into that uncomfortable place but really struggling and almost having that internal battle of this is what I want to do but this is actually really hard do you have tips for people of how they can push through that to actually then just go into that uncomfortable zone I know you said earlier that little by little is really important but for a lot of people they might still have that internal battle that is going on yeah it, it comes back down well first of all reaching out for help Mm -hmm. You know, help from um, a therapist, a coach, somebody that that person is drawn to, um, who who can can 
you know, does work with, with people in that way. Um, there, there's really no substitute for having another human in front of you who can, um, be there with you just from a, a purely, again, sort of a biological place like that, um, you know, it's just that there's no substitute for that, that, that what we call co-regulation with somebody mm-hmm. who, who is in a regulated place and, and who can create a, a safe container. So that's, you know, my first suggestion. Um, and, you know, second of all, often what keeps people stuck is the physiological state that they're in, you know, and often when we're really wanting to make a change, but we can't, we're in what we call a freeze response. So it's like one foot on the gas, one foot on the brake. Like I have to, but I can't, I have to, but I can't, you know, and, and the way to sort of break out of that physiological sort of stuckness again, is to really break, I know it sounds kind of trite, maybe, but really breaking everything down to like the very smallest step that you can think of. Mm -hmm. Choose a step that your judging adult brain is going to be like, that's, that's nothing. That's stupid. That's too small. Mm -hmm. That's the step. You know, like if you're um, really wanting to, for example, um, be more physically active and you just can't make yourself do it. First of all, I mean, in that situation, look around like, okay, is this, is this the time to be physically active? Is your body telling you something, you know, does it make sense that you're exhausted because, you know, you have three children and you just worked a 12 hour day. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's, okay, Mm -hmm. let's, but, but barring all of those, those things that, that are very real, um, you know, can, can be very real impediments. Like, okay, what, you know, what's one step that I can take towards doing that? And that could be, um, you know, okay, where are my running shoes? You know what? I'm going to put them by the door. Okay. You know, um, and, and maybe that's the step for the day. Yeah. Making it so incredibly easy for yourself to, make that decision and go with that action it even reminds me of when i get my clients to those who have like fear foods where they they have this fear around the food that something bad is going to happen if they eat the food typically weight gain which is never the case but it's this core belief that they've developed right for a lot of them they have a long list of fear foods so when i get them to write their fear foods down i get them to put it in a triangle almost from the ones that feel the most scariest to reintroduce to the ones that feel the least scariest and this kind of reminded me of when you were saying you know go with the the decisions that the adult brain is like easy easy peasy you know i can get through that it's totally fine And it just makes so much sense because then every single time that you tick off those easy ones, you build this level of self-confidence of, hey, guess what? Like I actually am capable of so much more than I gave myself credit for. I can do this. I can achieve this. So then you go to the next one. You're like, okay, cool. I could tackle that as well. If I can tackle that, I can tackle the next one. And you just keep layering that level of self-confidence upon it again and again and again until you get to that really hard one. And you have so much hardcore evidence that you can achieve so much. You're like, great, I'm going to like tackle this head on. And I guess that's what you're saying about breaking it down to those tiny little bits and then just chipping away at it one at a time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because we we don't want to take a step again, that's too big Mm. for, for our, our wiring, our current wiring. Yeah. 
right? And and I know that it's really hip on the internet. Yeah, you know, step outside your comfort zone. You have to do this. Like, and it's like, you know, change doesn't always happen in a, in a sustainable way, way outside your comfort zone. In fact, rarely it does. It happens when we feel mm-hmm. when we have when we feel safe in our bodies and we feel supported. Yeah. You know, we cannot make change when we are in a flight, fight, fight, flight, freeze or shut down when we're out of what's called our window of tolerance, when we're living in our survival physiology. If we can make change and we can make a lot of change really fast, but it won't stick. Mm-hmm. There's no way like it's it's just not if we're pushing and pushing and pushing, our bodies can only push for so long until we crash, we burn out. You know, we our bodies just run out of you know, cortisol. (laughs) And it's like, okay, I, you know, I've got nothing left in me. Mm. Um, And that's not a sustainable way to to do things, you know, so it's really about, um, you know, taking those those small steps, um, such that we can give that sort of new information to our internal database that has all this information that's saying, ah, that's a threat, that's scary, don't do that. You know, when we when we take a small step, and we're able to complete it, you know, our system goes, oh, oh, okay. Oh, I, I did something. Okay, well, that was a little scary, but yeah, I'm, I, that's, that's doable. Okay, put my shoes by the door. Um, maybe I can get my car keys and put them on the, on the um, bench near the door. You know, because then I can, I can, you know, drive myself, like I, I'm, I'm preparing you know, because it's not like nobody being stuck and sort of procrastinating. It's not that's not something that's some moral thing. You know, you're being lazy. You're not doing enough. There's all kinds of judgments and shame always has a heyday with that one. Right. It tells us all kinds of stuff, um, you know, but shame's job is actually to keep us quiet and small and compliant. Shame actually um, helped us out often early on in life when it was safer to take up, for example, in that example, I just gave like the least space. Oh yeah. Shame's telling me that I'm bad if I do that thing, you know? And, and so often hidden behind our sort of stuckness, so to speak, is a whole boatload of, of, um, you know, feelings and sensations that are, really overwhelming and that we are invested in avoiding because and and it's not again it's not avoidance in a bad way you're just avoiding that like it's it's there for good reason right like if i if i do that thing that i learned at some point wasn't safe if i i don't know um go to you know in my career if i go to take up space you know, I want to shift, I want to, you know, say, you know, grow a business, like, and, and our nervous system is going, Mm-mm, nope, nope, that's not safe. It might on the surface, we might judge ourselves, because it's like, oh, I'm procrastinating, I, you know, I'm doing this, I'm putting it off, and I'm avoiding, you know, but you're actually, you're, according to your system, you're right on track. Yeah, so it's a matter of just, a, you know, my point with all this stuff is just working with your system as opposed to pushing against it being like, no, screw you. No, I'm going to keep pushing and I, you know, outside of my comfort zone. And, and, but, you know, in, in my, from my perspective, real change, sustainable change is made over time 
Mm. And it takes practice and it takes, um, you know, we have well-worn patterns, neural pathways in our brain that are like, it's like a 16 lane highway. You know, you can't just stand in the middle and go stop all the traffic. What, what we're doing when we make, when we do this work is we're actually creating a competing road next to that 16 lane highway. And that mm. road often begins as like a jungle and we're like digging to even find the ground. And eventually maybe you get like a, you know, like a little ATV track, like a little off-road track. Okay. Right. But over time, the more you start to practice the new way of doing things, you know, could be expressing yourself in relationship. It, it will become more comfortable over time, you know, and eventually you have two roads with equal amounts of traffic. And then that's sort of a different phase of, of growth. Cause it's like, Whoa, <laughs> you know, and, and eventually that sort of becomes our main way of traveling that new road. And so you mentioned that if people don't go into back into their, their safe zone or where their central nervous system is regulated and they constantly push themselves out of it, it gets to a point where their bodies are just so burnt out, right? Like their cortisol has just been functioning so high as well. If somebody is in that space or if somebody just doesn't actually change and they're constantly functioning with, you know, high levels of anxiety or emptiness or their unhelpful patterns are just constantly playing out for them, how does that manifest into their bodies or other areas of their lives? Like what are the points that I guess you see a lot of your clients coming to where that continuous pattern has actually caused something in their bodies or their life. I guess like, yeah, what is the, yeah. the, the problem of actually not changing? Right. Yeah. Yeah. What happens when you stay the same? Yeah. That's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, there are many schools of thought on this one. Yeah. Um, certainly, you know, I, I don't, I don't like to speak to things that are sort of outside of my scope, but there's definitely a correlation between things like, um, you know, certain autoimmune disorders and, and certain illnesses um, that, that happen when we are literally, you know, when we're constantly getting information from inside of us and we're overriding it and we're replacing our, you know, um, knows with yeses and we're sort of operating an autopilot and we're never actually reconnecting with ourselves and our nervous systems never really has a, a chance to kind of come back to baseline because we don't know that that exists because perhaps it was much safer for us early in life again um, to be hypervigilant and constantly assessing for danger you know so it so a lot of this stuff has to be actually learned later in life like, hey, this, this is a concept. Feeling safe in a relationship might just be a concept up here that, you know, I see in movies and, you know, I, but I don't know what it feels like because I may never have felt that, right? So it's building capacity to, to um, you know, to, to be with that and, and starting to learn what safety feels like, leaning into safe relationships, you know, um, but, but certainly, yeah, it can, it can manifest in all kinds of ways. Like the, the, the folks that, that I work with, the women that I work with typically are very high functioning as, and what I mean by that is 
Um, they're very invested in particularly in their careers. They, they often are able to um, sort of by society standards, sort of accomplish a lot, right? Like, um, and, and often they flourish in their careers. You know, that's, that, that can very well be the place that feels best where they feel uh, most fulfilled, but, but that may not be what the rest of their life looks like, particularly their relationships, um, their, their close relationships, especially partnerships, if there are partnerships. So it's, it's, um, you know, women that feel sort of unfulfilled and they're aware that they've been doing the same thing over and over again, and they don't know how to get out of it. And um, it's not working for them anymore. And they know that. And there's sort of, again, that gap that I was talking about, like, I know this, I know this, but I, I keep doing the same thing. What's happening? You know, and so again, so it's sort of just getting to know, you know, okay, like, what was let's explore your survival pattern, right? And and how is that? How is that coming up? And then and then you can explore what's happening in somebody's present day life. And, huh, okay. Well, who is in charge? Right? And, and sort of getting to know what, what uh, the landscape there such that they can make better choices moving forward. So that they can move forward, you know, and, and if somebody's really sort of what I would say to somebody who, who, um, you know, to sort of circle back to something else you asked, what was, uh, you know, somebody other than sort of reaching out for help, like if somebody's wanting to, to take steps, often one of the things that happens is they go, oh, what, why is this happening to me again? Right? Like why? Like, like, I can't believe I'm, I, I chose that same kind of person when I was, you know, dating, or I, I can't believe I did, I did the same behavior over and over. Like, what, what, why is this happening? And then they obsess about why, mm -hmm. but in those moments, why isn't helpful? Like, what are, what are two things that I have access to right now that will be most helpful? You know, am I thirsty? Okay, yeah, I need to get a, get a glass of water. And does my body want to move? Yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, move my shoulders, move my legs. Um, you know, like, like finding something in those moments that helps somebody to feel a little bit better, a little bit less bad, a little bit closer to neutral. You know, and mm -hmm. such, okay, then they put their shoes down in the hallway. Okay, right. Yeah. And, and cause often then you go to do the thing and then, you know, shame visits and you get the whole committee meeting happening up here, which is quite common Yeah, and not fun. Very, it can be very much a, a spiral. Yeah, absolutely. And so obviously all of the self-discovery work is so important because it literally can transform someone's life and themselves as a whole what would you say is one of the most common myths or misconceptions that you actually hear about self-discovery work? Ooh, this is a good one. Uh, that you can go and uh, do a retreat in Hawaii for three days and do a cold plunge and, um, you know, work with plant medicine. And then uh, three days later, 
everything's you're 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 cured you're healed yeah. <laughs> from anything you've ever ever struggled with all you need is you know a tropical retreat somewhere and uh you know and that sort of when it's advertised as kind of like the be all end all right and what what i you know would say is that it takes time mm. it takes time and it takes energy because it takes energy to be aware and to um take those steps you know and it takes um practice and it takes you know it just takes time for those new neural pathways to form it doesn't happen doesn't happen overnight you know it's that's sort of we're in this era right now where everything is like a quick fix and you know everybody's sort of a guru on the social media front. And there's certainly a lot of that that I see where there's a lot of big promises that are, you know, made um, where, you know, sustainable. Again, that's not to discredit those folks or, or tropical retreats. Like I'm, I'm all for a tropical retreat, trust me, you know, but I think when, when it's advertised as the one thing, like you do this one thing and then suddenly you know, Mm. magic, right? Like, I think that's, those are all really good tools, but, but when put together with, with lifestyle changes and, and, um, you know, really getting, getting clear on, on, you know, attachment patterns and those kinds of things. Um, yeah, yeah. 100%. And it's so important to remember that you have come or you've been going through this for years, probably that those three days, it's not going to be a snap of the fingers and everything's magically fixed at all now I do have some quick fire questions for you ready for these hit me what is one thing that you must do every morning to set your day up um the answer to this one is uh check in with yourself I would say yeah what is one thing that everyone can do every day to improve their life that's the same answer Okay, so you do it for you and you say everyone else should do it as well. Well, I mean, certainly, um, you know, checking in with ourselves is that's something that like, I'm not big on sort of rituals, I could, I could maybe be better at that. Um, You know, I certainly have my morning tea and I I do my thing. But, you know, it's, it's really a matter of just kind of tuning in like, huh, how do I feel right now? You Mm -hmm. know, and and but you can do that in the morning, but you can also do it throughout the day. You know, it doesn't require sort of sitting in meditation or doing it. It's just a, a quick check-in like, huh, you know, what's my mood today? Do I feel um, heavy? Do I feel light? Do I feel um, activated? Do I feel calm? Um, yeah, you know, how so is my well. sleep? Yeah, exactly. Just just checking in and, and, and sort of, and that can give you information about the capacity mm-hmm. you have that day. You know, and if there are things, for example, you can leave off your to-do list um, if you're at sort of a lower capacity, but if you're at a higher capacity, like, oh, geez, you know, I'm actually going to go for a run also or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, Um, so So powerful. What is your favorite quote and why? So I I thought about this one. Um, I actually don't have a favorite quote. but something, and I, I don't, to be honest, I don't even know where I saw it. I don't think that it was, they're my words. They, I, I, I feel like I read it somewhere, mm-hmm. but it's been coming up a lot um, in my work. 
And, uh, and that is that all feelings are valid. All behavior is not. And often I, I see on, again, in the, the pop psychology Instagram world, those two things often get conflated um, the, and sort of put together like, you know, everything is, everything you're doing is valid, you know, you're not the problem. And it's just a sort of uh, like, well, actually, <laughs> that's not always the case, right? Like all of your feelings are there for good reason, right? There, there's sort of validity to them being there doesn't mean they're right or wrong. They're just there. That's, that's your experience. But all behaviors are not, meaning um, what you do with those feelings when they arise. You know, if you're, you know, for example, if you're feeling really angry. Um, sorry, I just realized this is supposed to be rapid fire, but I'm just talking away. Um, if you're feeling really angry, you know, it doesn't give you a license to treat somebody like shit right? And to explode. Oh, it's just, I'm feeling angry. That, that, that's behavior. That's not a feeling. That's the, that's the unhealthy expression of anger, not the emotion of anger, which is very valid. So that's, I've, I've, I've just, um, yeah, that's been coming up a lot. I think that's so incredibly powerful because you're so right. It's such a different perspective to look on it than what is being promoted so often as well, but important that we reflect back into ourselves and look at the action that we are actually taking from the feelings that we're feeling. So I think, yeah, it, it's such an important self-awareness, back to that self-awareness and checking with yourself again. It all comes back to that at the end of the day, right? Now, one question that I do love to ask all my podcast guests is in the distant future, when you're looking back at your life, what do you think will be your biggest achievement or something that you'll be most proud of? And now this could be something that you've actually already achieved, or it could also be something that you're hoping to do in the future. Um. Definitely my biggest, my, my hope for my biggest achievement is to um, help people and um, particularly help uh, people who are really wanting to explore what's happening for them um, mm -hmm. and to, to leave, uh, leave the world better than I found it in that way. You know, that's, that's my, that would be my biggest wish. Um, that sounds kind of cliched, but it's actually true. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, you're definitely achieving it. You're creating such a safe space for so many other amazing women to come into and to work through whatever they need to work through to rediscover themselves and just, as you say, like get out of their own way so that they can then achieve everything and anything that they want to achieve and actually live that life that is fulfilling to them because at the end of the day this is it right like this is our one shot at life and you don't get to come back and do a take two of this so you want to make sure that it's one that you love living really did you want to tell the audience it, what you have coming up if anything exciting for them and where the listeners can actually go to find you um well my website is katherineweedtherapy.com um, and my Instagram handle is I am catweed. Uh, although I've been slacking on my Instagram big time, I haven't posted in a little bit. Um, and, uh, at some point in the new year, likely I will have a program coming up for women mm. that will be three months long. Um, and we'll be doing some small group work and, mm. and working through, you know, much of what, what we just discussed. Um, but, but again, sort of dates are 
an unknown at this point, but that's certainly something that I'm, that I'm working toward. And, and at the moment I, I, I've had a one-on-one practice of, uh, you know, um, counseling and psychotherapy practice and, and coaching, um, for, you know, several years now, and I continue to do that. So amazing. Yeah. I'll put all the links in the show notes for easy access for all the listeners as well. So that they can go along, follow along for when the date is launched for that group coaching, because it sounds very powerful, very powerful space to be in and amongst. Well, thank you mm-hmm. so much, Catherine, for coming on and sharing everything that you have with us today. It's been a really powerful conversation, and I'm sure so many women are walking away with some golden nuggets. So thank you so much for sharing everything that you have. Thanks so much for having me. That was great. Fabulous episode today with Catherine. I would love to hear what your key takeaway was from today's episode. Just head over to my Instagram, which is KJ Wellness with three S's and send me through an Instagram message because as always, I love connecting with every single one of you. I will chat with you in the next episode very soon. Until then, you take care. Bye.